0: Welcome to The Bean Pod, a podcast about decentralized finance and the Beanstalk Protocol. I'm your host, Rex. Before we get started, we always want to remind everyone that on this podcast, we are very optimistic about decentralized finance in general, and Beanstalk in particular. With that being said, three things. First, always do your own research before you invest in anything, especially what we talk about here on the show. Second, while you're doing that research, try to find as many well-developed, opposing viewpoints as possible to get the best overall picture. And third, never, ever invest money that you can't afford to lose or at least be without for a while. Oh, and as a quick reminder, Publius uses a voice modulator to help conceal their identity. It's certainly nothing to be afraid of, but it does take a little bit of getting used to. And with that, on with the show. So you talk about Hamilton and the Federalist Papers as being kind of foundational to the American system of government. Couldn't agree more. Along with that, how about you take us through some of your initial thoughts and philosophies as you began to work through the value of the project and going from you know whatever the idea was that started you down this journey to getting a product ready for initial launch with you know with something that could be um, turned around and shown to other people and start to build the team and the community around that
1: yeah there's there's a lot there as to like how how in God's name did we get here so there's a couple different things. Mostly right place, right time for a lot that things came together in the way that they did. But to give a little bit of context as to what some of those things were, we've all been in uh, crypto and exposed to crypto for a various amount of time, but uh, five, six years and all really had the, the bias uh, that technology built on cryptographic primitives uh, and decentralized networks in particular. Uh, are going to be a major a major part of the advancement of many of the ideas of the the American constitution, which today are certainly uh, in jeopardy uh, to say the least and when we think about the the role of this technology uh, it's still very young and there's a lot of problems with that technology and so the starting point is we want to be a A part of uh, advancing the adoption of this technology, which we view as incredibly promising towards uh, achieving some of the really important changes that need to happen uh, in the not too distant future to keep things moving in the right direction. And uh, certain things that ensure individual freedoms uh, and individual liberties uh, are, in our opinion, really important to furthering individual freedoms. Uh, and this technology very clearly offers offers a lot of solutions, but that doesn't really get to why a stable coin or why Beanstalk and, and why did we actually do this? So one of the things that most attracted us uh, when we first got into crypto was the idea of decentralized betting markets uh, for the degen in all of us and Uh, Ultimately, stuff like decentralized prediction markets are really potentially revolutionary. Uh, Stuff like Augur, which is a decentralized prediction market uh, built on Ethereum that they did an ICO for in uh, 2015, uh, and then it launched in July of 2018. But Augur never really reached any sort of significant adoption. And that was something we spent a lot of time thinking about why. And sure, you have Ethereum fees and friction there, which makes order books difficult. And there's lots of other complexity that you have to get right, which Ethereum makes potentially difficult. But ultimately Augur is live. You can use it. And so that didn't really make sense to us as why, why it never got adopted. And the thing that we, we kind of settled on or. Uh, came to the conclusion of was that uh, the current structure of the markets, the currencies you had available to use on Augur uh, made Augur really impractical to use because you could either use Ethereum, for example, which is uh, super decentralized and native to the Ethereum network, or you could use Ether, excuse me. But but the problem was that the value of ethereum was incredibly volatile and so you're making a bet on one thing but in reality you're also taking a bet on the price of ethereum and then you could hedge your risk but then that's a pain in the ass and who wants to do that and so in reality using Augur in a practical way to get exposure to the things that you wanted to bet on was easier said than done so in short Augur also supports stable coins coins that are pegged to the value of a u.s dollar for example and so you would say, well, why don't people just use stable coins? And the conclusion that we came to was that uh, because of the really high borrowing costs on stable coins, it made making markets on Augur really impractical. If you have to borrow at 10% or 12% a year, uh, or but even if you own the asset, now you have to judge whatever you're using your money for against the opportunity cost of lending it out for 10 or 12% a year. Uh, that really changes what is a positive expected value uh, decision to make, uh, or at least the expected value on certain actions with that money have to be much higher. And that makes using auger really impractical. High borrowing costs make using auger really impractical. And so then the question becomes, well, why are there high borrowing costs? Well, in theory, at least, if you have an excess amount of demand for something, there's excess demand that typically results in its price going up. And because you have these various different stable coins that all have pretty good peg maintenance models, they're all, uh, because of their collateralization, all relatively good at maintaining a stable price at their peg value. The excess demand for these stable coins doesn't manifest itself in a high price for the stablecoin it manifests itself in high borrowing costs so the conclusion that we came to was that there was this huge shortage of stablecoins which the market was unable to meet uh, it was unable to supply enough stablecoins to meet demand and that resulted in high borrowing costs which made using not just auger but lots of different cool tech across DeFi really impractical and that's why in reality The only stuff that you really see happening across DeFi right now is lending and yield farming because nothing else is cost effective compared to that. And so why is it that you have uh, a supply shortage? Uh, In short, it's really hard to, uh, if you have a collateral requirement uh, to create a stable coin, if you say for every stable coin we're going to issue, we're going to hold a dollar in a bank account or a dollar of Ethereum in a smart contract it's really hard to attract enough collateral to mint a hundred billion or a trillion dollars worth of stable points. And if you're going to lock up a hundred billion or a trillion dollars of value in a bank account or in a CDP doing nothing, well there's opportunity cost associated with locking up all that capital. And accordingly, any collateralized model is going to have some sort of high borrowing costs associated with, requirement to lock up collateral. So that's still just our thoughts. That doesn't explain why we actually got started working on this. So if you go back to around September, it's not September, uh, Thanksgiving of 2020, ESD was blowing up at the time. And we, Publius, just happen to all be hanging out uh, around Thanksgiving. Uh, We know each other from college and just happen to be in the same place around Thanksgiving, and we're catching up. And basically, we're talking about ESD and its recent success, and how that was really aligned with our prior convictions that there was this structural problem with the stablecoin market. And the fact that ESD was blowing up said to us that maybe uh, our, our conviction was right because ESD was an attempt at a non collateralized stablecoin. And so in short, uh, we decided to read the ESD white paper together that evening. And it was very cool and inspirational. And there was a lot of great content there. But at the same time, there were some really obvious inefficiencies and problems in their model. And despite the obvious or what were obvious to us uh, issues with the model, the market was really eating up ESD. And there was a ton of Speculative demand for ESD, and so in short, we decided that evening that we could make a a fork of ESD in what we thought would be a couple of months, um, two three months at most, and make some improvements, fix the issues that we saw with it, and roll out a competitor, a fork, very quickly within a couple of weeks. Actually, we kind of realized that as we were thinking more and more about the model, uh, it was going to require a ground up. Rethinking of a lot of different aspects of the model and that would require an entirely new code base and a new white paper to explain it. And accordingly, it went from a two, three month side project to what became like an all intensive, uh, nine month sort of sprint, uh, until we, we ended up publishing or deploying on the Ethereum mainnet, uh, the first week of August of 2021. So that's. That's the, the long and the short of it. And we would just say that to go back to where we started this on why we decided to be anonymous and, and use a pseudonym, despite the fact that we put our real heart and soul into the project. And you would think you'd want to put your name on that and show it proudly that that's what we worked on that. And certainly there's that aspect to it. But because we put our heart and soul into it, we want to give Beanstalk the absolute best chance humanly possible to succeed at its goal to become a global, decentralized, autonomous issuer of money. And we felt that uh, the benefits of putting our name on it, both to ourselves individually and potentially uh, the ability to uh, more quickly attract people to beanstalk in the short term, was going to jeopardize or or at at the margin effect in a negative way. Uh, Beanstalk's chances at succeeding at that goal in the long run. so that that's how we got here.
0: That's great. So there are a couple things that I was thinking about as you were as you were talking. The first is um the utility of stable coins versus uh, let's say value driven cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or ethereum, where there's where there's significant fluctuation in value and I feel like this is almost a chicken and egg problem for decentralized finance in general. and you you seem to kind of hint at it that we've got all this really interesting potential for things that can be done on decentralized networks, new types of transactions that can happen. But because of the variability and value of, let's say Ethereum, it makes it difficult to use that particular coin as a uh, as a, a mode of transaction or as a currency of transaction so so that seems to be what turned you towards stable coins but then you put in this this idea of neutral carry versus negative carry and and we could talk about that more you know either here or at, at some of the venue basically the idea that um, the utility of a coin is somewhat opposed to its value as as a lending tool, which unfortunately takes away its its utility. It it makes it a more difficult or a less enticing uh, medium of transaction or, or less enticing currency to use to actually do stuff. And so the it seems like the problem that Beanstalk is looking to solve is A to create a currency that is that is indeed stable. That can be used for transactions where um, someone utilizing it doesn't have to worry about the price of Ethereum right now as opposed to the price of Ethereum in 10 minutes or the price of Ethereum in two years. So creating stability from that standpoint and then at the same time to have that, that ability to be used for practical purposes without the user feeling like they're missing out. On making some type of you know five, six, seven, ten percent return on an investment, so you know eventually, when we get to the point where we use cryptocurrency to buy soccer balls or pay for haircuts, there is both stability and utility for the coins that are available through systems like Beanstalk.
1: yeah, you said it quite well, and the the core design principles of Beanstalk are both a response to the current structure and a statement as to what things could be when incentives are properly aligned. And so, uh, you know, maybe we'll get into some parts of the, the specific mechanism to get to that uh, and and how they create those effects. But ultimately, that's the name of the game, right? When you have well-defined incentive structures within a protocol, you can create some sort of a new utility in the same way that Ethereum miners or Bitcoin miners are uh, spending money and spending resources uh, to create some sort of utility, uh, that can be applied more generally to various different protocols. And Beanstalk is uh, trying to be one of them.
0: The Bean Pod is a production of Beanstalk Farms. You can find us on Twitter, Discord, and our home on the web at bean.money. You can also find me on Twitter at RexTheBean. And as a final reminder, this podcast is not financial advice. Thanks again for listening.